to another episode of My Duke and I. Hello, Denise. Hello, Anita. Hello, listeners. What will we be discussing today, Anita? Today, we will be discussing the Commonwealth Trade Meeting, where senior policymakers, business leaders, and owners will meet in Nairobi, Kenya. Camfed Garden won big at the Chelsea Garden Show. Prince Harry played polo in Rome to raise funds for Centre Valley. Prince Harry wins a judgment against Splash Agency and a formal apology was given and accepted from Splash Agency for invading his and Duchess Meghan's privacy. A flower is named after Archie Harrison at the Chelsea Flower Show. Harry and Meghan will have a second resident at Buckingham Palace when they are in London and the upcoming engagements of the Duke of Sussex. So, Denise, can you tell us about the Commonwealth trade that will be taking place in Nairobi, Kenya, amongst the Commonwealth nation's leaders? Yes, certainly. Uh, on May 15th to the 16th, Members of the Regulatory Connectivity Cluster of the Commonwealth held their first meeting in London to discuss and agree on policy to achieve $2 trillion worth of intra-Commonwealth trade by 2030. These policymakers came from across the Commonwealth and they agreed to use good regulatory practices to boost trade to help their business flourish. At a time when Britain is struggling with Brexit, it's really important for them to have some sort of plan in place to sustain themselves when they exit the EU. So the group was welcomed by the Deputy Secretary of State at the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy in the UK He said exporters and investors need stability. They need to know that regulation is consistent and predictable in each of the countries. And by coordinating all the approaches to regulation, they can nurture a strong business environment, reduce non-tariff barriers, as well as propel the inclusive growth and development that many of these Commonwealth countries would like to see. Um, the senior leader business, the senior policymakers, mm-hmm. business leaders and own owners mm-hmm. will also be meeting in Nairobi, Kenya this week, the 28th and the 29th of May. And in that meeting, they're going to be promoting trade and investment between small and medium-sized business across the Commonwealth. So they're going to have representatives from more than 200 organizations. And the second intra-Commonwealth trade summit will begin. The Commonwealth General also said that the intra-Commonwealth trade has been growing in spite of the slowdown in the world trade growth. And it's now over 20% 
of the Commonwealth countries' total trade with the world. Mm -hmm. So the Commonwealth is actually doing quite well. Mm -hmm. When everyone else is slowing down, mm -hmm. their trade growth is 20% of the world's total trade. And I think that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. So he went on to say a strength a strengthened intra-commonwealth trade and investment cooperation with the SME, which is acronym for small, medium-sized enterprise, at the center has the potential to revive global trade and growth and contribute towards advancing trade-related aspects of the SDGs. So as the UK prepares to Brexit, I think it's important to know that the Brexit supporters have championed the British trade that will rely heavily upon the Commonwealth. So, you know, people of colour make up a vast majority of the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. And this is another reason why we have to make sure that we stay on top of the way they're treating Megan as a person of colour within the United Kingdom, because at the end of the day, if and when the UK exit the European Union, mm -hmm. they're expecting the Commonwealth mm -hmm. to play a very important role in their economy. So um, let's talk about Campbell and their win at the Chelsea Garden Show. So at the Chelsea Garden Show, Campbell won gold in the category of... Um, a space to grow and and they dubbed it actually giving girls in Africa a space to grow so um, what I particularly liked about their garden is that it was a drought resistant garden so basically it's a resilient um, garden to you know the elements of the um, the environment and you know typically we would find um, the different types of gardens at the Chelsea Garden Show being more of showcasing flowers. But here, Hamford um, showcased a sustainable garden where they had um, crops that potentially could sustain a community. And um, what is so um, beautiful about this garden, and I thought that, you know, this is avant-garde thinking, in the sense that these crops that they had at the garden were enriched with um, vitamins and minerals and iron, um, which is what, especially in um, these places in Africa where, um, you know, where there's a daily struggle with um, obtaining nutrients or food so to have food that already has a a high content of those things in them it it's it just makes me admire that type of thinking in terms of coming up with an idea that you know that sort of creates a a blanket solution to the problem that most of these um areas face in africa so that to me was really powerful to be able to think about the nutrients of the garden, to think about the resilience of the garden to me is powerful. And one thing I want to point out in this day and age, when we think about um, genetically modified food, 
compare these foods that they're growing in that garden, which is meaningful in so many ways. Not only does it look beautiful, but it is also an edible garden. And to grow it in a natural way, instead of having things that are modified, genetically modified to me, just makes me really excited that they won because this is something different, different from what we've seen. And this is something um, not taking away anything from previous winners or presenters at the garden show. What this means to me is that they're doing something that is beneficial. Not only does it look lovely um, and pleasing to the eyes, but it is also beneficial in the sense that um, it is nourishing and it is something that could be used not only for its visual aesthetic, but it is beneficial nutritionally um, wherever this garden potentially can be replicated in Africa and um, in different parts of the world. Well, one of the things too that I liked about what uh, the young ladies said, mm-hmm. they said that as this garden was designed, one of the things that they did, they mm-hmm. said, it also embodied mm-hmm. Megan's vision mm-hmm. and her role of empowering women mm-hmm. through education. And so that vision that inspired them, that Megan's vision that inspired them, made them put a lot of thought into mm-hmm. it, into creating this garden. Because mm-hmm. number one, it was environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. They used a lot of uh, solar energy for the irrigation Mm -hmm. system they also made sure that it would adapt to the type of climate that Mm -hmm. they live in Mm -hmm. in um the sub-sahara regions of africa Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's really important that Mm -hmm. someone like megan could influence have this kind of influence Mm -hmm. that these young ladies these girls mm-hmm. actually used her put her vision brought life to her vision mm-hmm. by creating this garden she empowered them mm-hmm. to create this garden using the education mm-hmm. that they were getting mm-hmm. and i think that in itself is like really marvelous mm-hmm. um yeah i also remember last year remember how he went over there and um encouraged them more on behalf of his wife. And he, he went and visited Camford, the Camford school or facilities. And they sent back, well, his wife, Megan sent messages to these young ladies and mm-hmm. they sent back messages to her. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's nice that as a couple now, they're able to see their, their vision come to fruition in the creation of this garden. And even though... At the onset, they said that they were not able to show pictures of Prince Harry on mm-hmm. his visit last year to Camped with the students. Mm-hmm. Yet, I think at the end of the day, Harry and Meghan, the Sussexes, they were also big winners in this show because mm-hmm. these young ladies were able to get the Montessori school in in London to Mm -hmm. to sponsor them. They had a designer. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call her name. I think her name was Jody Lidgard. She helped them Mm -hmm. to design the outdoor space. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, Montessori International City Asset Management Mm -hmm. 
felt, I guess, with the funding of all of this. And so, you know, a group of people came together mm -hmm. to take this vision and make something out of it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I think the Sussexes also won big too mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they got not just the gold medal, but they also got the People's Choice Award. So, yeah, that's mm -hmm. big. Yes. And um, as you said, this is, um, you know, with um, this, the garden really embodies um, Duchess Megan. And one thing that I also wanted to point out that the garden is really compact because here, you know, you don't need a lot of land to create a garden of such kind in terms of its um, nutritional value and its yield. So um, what they're also showing people is not only can you build a drought resistant and a garden that is biofortified, um, you know, with crops, but you can also get the same result from a small space, you know, because there are some individuals that participated in the garden that they were talking about how they planted gardens in the past and they, they had a lot of space to plant the garden. However, the yield was very small compared to the current garden that they planted uh, on a much smaller scale, but yet the yield was um, much larger than the large space that they had planted um, their gardens in in the past. So I see three things coming out of um, this type of garden. The fortification of the different um, plants in the garden, um, as well as utilizing space in an effective way and planting in a way that sort of um, suits the environment that um, the garden will be growing in, in terms of drought resistant and pest resistant and what have you. So that's beautiful. I love it. It's environmentally science. friendly. Mm -hmm. It was environmentally friendly. Envi environmentally friendly. Yeah, even you know using the sun's rays mm -hmm. through solar power mm -hmm. for the irrigation system. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. brilliant because you know if they're in, in an area where they have no electricity, it's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. what they just created their own mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. solar panels. Yes. So yes, mm -hmm. I think that was. Yeah, mm -hmm. brilliant. And again, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. impact of our judges. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. And and we must remember that although um, Megan was not a part, Megan and Harry was not a part of the, the presentation or just the whole um, formulation of the garden. Um, however, the spirit of Megan were in these women. And yep. um, that's how they came up with it. Definitely yes. so. They said in their words, to mm -hmm. quote one of them, mm -hmm. they said um, that Megan's vision embodied mm -hmm. their creation of this garden. Yeah, they said they were embodied by Megan's vision mm -hmm. and her role mm -hmm. of empowering women through education. That's, yeah, that mm -hmm. was a direct quote from mm -hmm. one of the young ladies. Yes. Uh -huh. And so, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the other thing that we need to point out uh -huh. is that 
what this is doing is showing a woman how she can feed her family. Absolutely. And if you feed your, your family, you can also feed your community. Mm-hmm. If you feed your community, you can feed your nation. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of this empowerment. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh-huh. definitely. And here's a, a form of education there um, through gardening and everything that Megan stands for, Duchess Megan stands for, the whole empowerment of women and the self-sustaining of women. So this is really nice. I just love this whole concept. It just really blew me away. As we um, have said before, Mm -hmm. previous broadcasts, you can give a man fish Mm -hmm. and you'll feed his family for a day, Mm -hmm. but you teach him how to fish Mm -hmm. and you will feed him. He can feed his family for life. Absolutely. And so there it is mm-hmm. again. You can give a man mm-hmm. a fruit basket mm-hmm. to feed his family, mm-hmm. or a woman a fruit basket you can to feed her family for a day. But mm-hmm. you teach her how to plant and grow her own fruits. Yes. Then, mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. Not only for for her family mm-hmm. for that week month, but now mm-hmm. for generations. Because if each generation passed these techniques mm-hmm. onto the other, mm-hmm. then you have a family being able to feed itself for a lifetime. Absolutely. Oh, yes. That's a great concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely our duchess. <laughs> yes. That is. Uh-huh. So um, let's talk about um, Prince Harry um, Polo um, Tournament in um, Rome where he raised money for Santa Bali. Can you tell us a little bit more about yeah. that? Um, Prince Harry went to Santa Bali mm-hmm. to do one of his annual polo fundraisers mm-hmm. to raise money for the charity that he and Prince Stieso mm-hmm. founded back in 2006. Mm-hmm. This charity was uh, founded in remembrance of Princess Diana, Mm -hmm. who went there to aid some of the children that were victims of AIDS Mm -hmm. and some of the children that were actually infected with AIDS. Mm -hmm. So she was the one that actually brought the world's attention Mm -hmm. to these kids. Harry was only 12 when she was killed Mm -hmm. but by the age of 18 Mm -hmm. he wanted to make sure that her legacy lived on Mm -hmm. and so he suggested creating this um this uh charity to help Mm -hmm. and with the help of uh prince cso Mm -hmm. they both founded this Mm -hmm. this charity and Yes, since 2006, and it's continued, and it's growing bigger by the year. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that he does every year is play polo, raise funds through his skill, and he's Mm -hmm. a very skilled polo player. Mm -hmm. He is able to raise a lot of funds through that to continue to sustain this this charity, giving the children there a new lease on, on life. From the funds that's received, one of the nice things too that uh, this year his um, his good friend Nacho mm-hmm. is the ambassador for Santa Bale. So it was nice to have Nacho there 
but she Nacho was there also last year. Yeah. And so he's the spokesman for the for the charity now, and I think he he helps to organize the the polo games and help to select the countries that mm-hmm. they're played in. So last mm-hmm. year we know he played in in the UK because Megan was also present. Mm-hmm. But this year, little baby Archie kept her <laughs> at home, but they were both there in spirit mm-hmm. to cheer Daddy Sussex on. And um, yeah, and so in in Harry's speech mm-hmm. um, after the event, which he won, he told the people there that so far the charity had reached mm-hmm. over a hundred thousand people who needed not just aid mm-hmm. but also reproductive education mm-hmm. in in safe sex <coughs> and um and they were receiving health mm-hmm. and the support they needed mm-hmm. to understand that mm-hmm. HIV mm-hmm. is no longer a death sentence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they're mm-hmm. learning that they can truly thrive mm-hmm. and not just survive AIDS mm-hmm. And I think that's a big, big, a big, big thing. Yes. So yeah, mm-hmm. doing an awesome job in mm-hmm. in con- continuing his mother's legacy and making sure mm-hmm. that um, she's not forgotten and that her work lives on. And um, it's just really wonderful that they continue to raise funds because, um, as we know, it Eastern and Southern Africa remain. Um, regions um, that is most affected by the HIV epidemic as Prince Harry and Meghan noted on their Instagram account and um, you know they say these regions account for 45% of the world's HIV infections and Lesetho and they said Botswana have the second and third highest infection rate of HIV in the world um, with children often being too afraid to access the life-saving treatments and care available um, because there's still the stigma that is associated with this virus, you know. And so the fact that Prince Harry and Prince Cieso was able to, you know, to create this organization um, to support and to help, um, you know, people that has been affected by this, you know, horrendous disease, um, it's just um, tremendous and um, the the funds um, that they're raising is still needed you know even though the population many parts of the, the world the the, um, the infection rate has decreased but um, in Africa we know that um, there's still it's still a problem it's still an epidemic and yes. definitely um, you know to see what Prince Harry has been able to do in um in africa in this um in lesetto um for these um young people is um just um amazing and um, the fight continues and uh, you know we just have to work on the the stigma part of it and um continue to you know fight these diseases yeah the stigma will be removed through education Mm -hmm. absolutely you know, it's more and more people are educated, and especially when they start out with early education, mm-hmm. that's the key. Okay, so um, Prince Harry wins a judgment against Splash Agency, 
and a formal apology. So basically what had happened is that um, um, Splash Agency had uh, um, sort of rented a helicopter and um, flew very close to the ground over Megan and Harry's home in the Cotswold and took pictures of inside of their house. Um, I think it was the bedroom, living room, and other parts of their home. And um, they felt like it was um, their privacy. And uh, it's not feel they felt like their privacy had been invaded. Their privacy had been invaded and they felt like it was um, an unsafe place to, um, to reside. Or it was a security threat for yes, them. Uh-huh. It was, yes, it was. Yes, it was. As we all know there's been threats on their life. Yes, uh-huh. So yeah, by mm-hmm. this invasion of privacy, mm-hmm. it did pose a security threat. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh-huh. Yeah, so he he had to, you know, they 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 had to move out of the home. Mm-hmm. Yes, so it did pose a security threat to them and they had to move out of the home because now um people who did not know where they lived or had never seen inside. Now that was on world view for everybody to see. And yeah. um, who knows what could happen? Um, you know, we have um, all these crazy people, you know, um, you, we could definitely see how Megan has been treated by the, um, you know, by the public. So um, it's, it was well, just, it's yes. so much about the public. It's, mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes we we forget the root of the problem. Mm. This disrespect, this racist hate has been cultivated by the British media. They're the ones that, that's been fueling mm-hmm. and fanning the flames of hate, causing both Harry and Meghan mm-hmm. to have threats against them. Mm-hmm. So I think we can no longer afford to not lay the blame at the feet of who is doing it. Mm-hmm. We have to be blunt and call out these reporters mm-hmm. like Emily Andrews, mm-hmm. who was one of those people that had a big front page article on their home. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Sun was one of them. The Times was another paper. Mm-hmm. They all had big front page articles on on their home. And then what they do, they overemphasize or guesstimate the value of everything and and in further instigating they say that all of this is at public expense creating a lot of anger mm. and a lot of hate and we all know what happens when some crazy person out there begin to act out mm-hmm. on this information that they're being fed on a daily basis mm-hmm. So yes, it did, and especially at a time Megan was also pregnant, mm-hmm. that they created this unsafe situation to 
plaster on their front page. Mm -hmm. And then when they did move out, then they created another story to say that they could no longer afford to live in the home. Mm -hmm. So, yes, those, in fact, I think even the reporters like Emily Andrews and others that wrote the article, they actually should be behind bars right now, in my opinion. Um, so Harry and Meghan um, will have a second residence at Buckingham Palace when they're in London. So could you tell us more about that? Yes, um, I'm not sure exactly when the residence will happen because currently Buckingham Palace is going through some renovations. But by the time that renovation is done, I think by the end of the year, there will be a second residence there because when they're in London doing engagements, it's a good distance, well, at least uh, about an hour's ride from London back mm -hmm. to Windsor where they live now. And mm -hmm. so after a late night of engagements, then mm -hmm. it makes sense for them to be able to have a residence in in the UK, in London, just to stay. <coughs> Sometimes, you know, they're going to be entertaining foreign dignitaries mm -hmm. and all of that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think just, a, well, all of the royals, the working royals, they mm -hmm. do have residencies in close to where they work. Mm -hmm. So this is like a normal part of it, mm -hmm. that they too will have an apartment in Buckingham Palace. Mm -hmm. So that whether they decide to work late into the evening mm -hmm. or um, host different events or foreign dignitaries, then they won't have to think about having to rush mm -hmm. to rush back to Windsor, especially now that they have a little one. So little Archie will be right there at their feet or not too far away mm -hmm. from them as as they were. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy because I, I wondered about that before and I wasn't sure exactly where because as you know before they were when they were over at Kensington Palace, mm -hmm. they had um, Nottingham Cottage mm -hmm. over there. And so they gave up Nottingham Cottage too. Mm -hmm. So Buckingham Palace, where mm -hmm. they work, they'll mm -hmm. also have a home there. So all of that makes sense. The upcoming engagements of the Duke of Sussex, Prince Harry, the reason why we're now announcing the engagements of um, Prince Harry's to sort of curtail the dependence of within the fandom to engage with the royal reporters. So the goal here is to provide opportunities um, for the, our listeners as well as, um, you know, people that are interested in the, the upcoming engagements of right now. We know that it's the Duke that's um, pretty much out there because Meghan is on maternity leave. So it's important that we're able to announce those engagements. Prince Harry's upcoming engagements um, on May 30th, um, he will participate in the opening of the, the Cricket World Cup um, in London. And um, on June 3rd, um, he will be having, alongside um, the Queen, um, he will be participating in the in a lunch with Donald Trump on June 3rd. So, um, and then baby Achi, uh -huh, a flower is named after him. 
Um, maybe you should um, tell us more about that. Well, each time a royal child is born, mm-hmm. well, especially when they're close in line, mm-hmm. as baby Archie is. Baby mm-hmm. Archie, currently he's seventh in line mm-hmm. to the throne. When mm-hmm. his grandfather becomes mm-hmm. king, mm-hmm. he will be actually sixth in line, mm-hmm. taking his father's mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. and his father will move up. Mm-hmm. So they name a flower. I mm-hmm. actually tried to find what Harry's flower was, and I, I'm not able to find it yet. But I've been told that each child is, um, has a flower named after them. And so baby Archie has the chrysanthemum, a beautiful yellow chrysanthemum was named after him. Mm-hmm. And also a beautiful flower was named after his mom too. So they both have flowers named after them this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's pretty awesome. Yes. Um, and I remember the queen also saying that she she planted a tree mm-hmm. when she after the birth of every one of her kids. Mm-hmm. So in her, around Buckingham mm-hmm. Palace, there are actually trees um, mm-hmm. that's been planted for each each of her children when they were born. Mm-hmm. So in following that tradition, yes, mm-hmm. baby Archie also had a flower named that. So anyways, on that note, uh, if you would like to hear something that we did not discuss, or if you would like to, um, if you'd like to drop us a note, um, you could go to um, our um, Twitter account at MyDukeAndI1 or at our website at www.MyDukeAndI.com and leave us a comment there or the topic that you would like us to discuss. And uh, yes. So on that note, we'll say adieu until we meet again. And one more thing, guys. Please remember, do not engage with the royal reporters. Do not engage, do not click, do not read any of their articles. Because when we do that, we're actually funding the hate that they've been spewing against Meghan. They make their monies by the clicks that we make for each article, the traffic that they get when we engage with them. So I think it's really important for us, don't click, don't read, don't engage. If we can remember the three Ds, then I think we'll be able to shut some of this down. So yes, so on that note, I will say adieu until we meet again. Thank you for listening.